Would you like to do the honors of clapping? Oh, do I? That's Did how I? we start, yeah. Great. <laughs> So, um, welcome. We're currently with my very good friend Tim Boyd mm -hmm. at the New Wave Brasserie, and we're out in the back in the shack. Shack out the back. Shack out of the back. Thanks, Tim, for joining us at a new table. Okay. Uh, here to talk about everything fish and seafood related. Absolutely. So, um, so for those who don't know about New Wave. Um, I know you guys have been an operation running since 1989. Yes, correct. Do you want to walk us through what you guys do? Okay, so um, yeah, so the New Wave Seafood is a uh, wholesale um, fish supply company to restaurants, uh, primarily restaurants, but it could be chefs. It, um, we do some of the colleges. Um, we supply some fish counters as well, but generally we're a wholesale business, buying direct from the market down on the coast, bringing fish back up to this area, preparing it through the night. This area being in the Cotswolds, This, this right? area being in the Cotswolds, yeah. excuse me, yes. And then and then redistributing back out across a, quite a wide, about an 18 mile radius from here um, the next day. So that that's actually what we do um, as, a, as a company, um, is, is supply restaurants and hotels, um, pubs and schools and colleges, fish counters sort of thing. And you guys also have um, a store just for direct customers to buy from, right? No, no, we don't. Oh, um, okay. No, we don't. So, so uh, over in, um, we've got a wholesale depot in Fairford, um, which is exclusively wholesale. So, mm -hmm. uh, retail customers aren't allowed on site. Um, it's it's kind of too dangerous. We've got forklift trucks and things there. It's, it's on quite a big scale. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Sixteen thousand square foot um, unit we've got there. So, it, so it's pretty large. Um, Eighty people working there. Um, so. No, so, um, but back in 2008, we opened up a, a, a shop in Sarnacester, the New Wave Fish Shop, which has recently been branded as the New Wave Fish and Seafood Market. So that's been going since 2008. And that was um, giving the opportunity to um, the end user customer to be able to enjoy our, our fresh fish and seafood, which we're buying direct from the coast. So we opened the fish shop in 2008 and recently had a refurb um, of the shop and then in addition to that, um, we set up a sort of delivery service during lockdown um, for particularly when restaurants and everything were closed, um, supplying the general public from our vehicles. So they, could, they can't come to us, but we can deliver to them. Okay. Um, so so we, we've been doing that and we're kind of tying that in with the fish shop in Sarancester and the once a week fish market at Let's Lade as well that yeah. we're doing now. Over here at the new restaurant. Yes, exactly. So yeah, so so basically, I've got I've I've kind of got three businesses really. Um, the, the the main one is the New Wave Wholesale, which has been going since 1989. Um, it's 34 years now. I've been doing that for um, two years in seafood before that. So I'm 36 years in in fish actually. Um, but then yes, the the, the fish shop um, we opened in 2008, which is quite a bad time to open actually a session ago. Um, took a while to get going, but that end up doing really well during lockdown and since then it's uh, doing incredibly well and um, we've rebranded that um, 
and then um, yeah uh, and then over here th then I sort of had the I was looking for another site for a, um, a, a wet fish shop actually in Letchlade okay. um, in Letchlade in particular in Letchlade in particular so I moved to Letchlade uh, a couple of years ago really liked the place I could see a lot of potential in the town and I was looking for another fresh fish shop um, and then this cafe um, came up for sale um, Vera's Kitchen it was called um, and it, the, the freehold came up for sale um, and I'm a bit impulsive and I just kind of uh, <laughs> I've been talking about having a fish restaurant for a long time um, just maybe as a bit of a pipe dream um, but with my advantage as a wholesaler I kind of thought that it might stack up um, because um, obviously I'm, I've got a link to the coast I've got fresh fish that I can source cheaper than anybody else really in a wider range so um, if we did have a restaurant as long as it didn't upset you know my existing restaurant customers which I've got to be very careful of um, and staff and things as well it could be an issue um, so I'm kind of playing three different um, markets really one is the is supplying chefs another is supplying the end user fresh fish to take home and then we've got the restaurant here now for people to come in and eat um, yeah and you guys did a really beautiful job I mean Yes, I mean it's um, it, it's kind of uh, yeah we, we put it together quite quickly and um, my business partner uh, friend business partner whatever you want to call him Bob um, designed the shack here um, decided how it was going to look um, and yeah I mean it's um, this is the sort of informal part we've got a smarter um, more formal in, in dining the, more yeah. formal dining in the front um, but we specialise in seafood and, and you know, top quality seafood yeah. so. That was this kind of idea, but this is, we're only in the eighth month here now of, of the restaurant, so it's a relatively new business. Yeah, we haven't I done the summer yet, so I know that everybody was really excited in Lunchlade to see a new restaurant like this open. So yes, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it's delivering. <clears throat> I hope so. And so, well, so you mentioned that you um, obviously get supplied from different uh, parts of England. I saw on your website you've got this really cool map. Uh, which shows where you guys get your fish and your seafood from yes. from Cornwall to Scotland yes I mean I mean the, the main area that we specialize in is Cornwall and Devon there's there's three markets down there fish auctions so the wild fish is sold on auction down there and we go down with direct buyers on each of those three markets it's Plymouth Brixham and Newlyn it's where the fish is landed um, the wild fish is landed it's brought in catalogued um, and then sold at auction very early in the morning mm -hmm. um, so I've got people who um, and so you guys buy every day right all yeah we fresh. buy every day all through the week we go down and we send our own van down there every day five days a week um, we load up with all sorts of um, fish from Cornwall usually day boat caught line caught um, you know we buy from the smallest boats we can the best fish we can mm. um, get it back here and it's just an ongoing cycle We're, um, there's lots of products we do. One of them is Cornish wild fish, but then we also um, have a lot of shellfish coming down from Scotland. We have farm fish coming from Norway, um, and then you have all this, all these other products like oysters and um, crabs and lobsters that you're sourcing from different. I mean, we literally do an A to Z of uh, UK sustainable seafood. Right. So we're we're covering about 80 or 90 species, pretty much on a daily basis. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, um, and with all the sizes of each one because even a you know one species that a bigger size is almost a totally different fish it'll be a totally different price and everything that'd be the prime cut so you're kind of handling all these different um all these different fish basically but well, yeah so. well no so um just to go back on what you said you um obviously 
get you get supplied mostly from local fishermen, but you also mentioned Norway. So what's yeah, so so okay, so you've, you've got to differentiate the difference between wild and farm first yeah. of all. Okay, um, explain that. Big to difference, us. big difference. So. <laughs> So wild fish is, you don't know what you're getting, you're going out in a boat, um, it's random, you don't know what you're going to catch, okay. and you don't know how much it's going to be. When you, like, you go out and, to and sea with your You go out to sea, and those, yeah. that, that's fishermen. They're, they're going out, they're sort of hunting for fish, if you like, and, and there's a few different ways to catch them. Three, different, three or four different ways of catching fish, you know, line caught, or trawling, or mm -hmm. fixed net, um, or gathering, basically. Those are like a sardines with a, with a, with a kind of purse net. Um, so they'll be fishing on those methods, going out to sea, and targeting certain species. Um, so that's your that's your wild fish. Okay. okay so and, and the best of that is coming in down in Cornwall, small boats, um, artisan methods of fishing. Um, you know, maybe just two people on the boat. Um, if you're going for something like hake, you do need a bigger boat. Um, but still, um, it's you know they're really using sustainable methods there, particularly the hake boats, that's that's all M MSC approved, um, marine, um, I, I get mixed up, there's Marine Conservation Society, Marine Stewardship Council is, is, is the ones who covered the hake, there's, there's two different organisations with similar names, but um, anyway, so so that's wild fish yeah. that, that you're buying down there. And then what's so farmed? so then you then then you've got farm fish. Okay, so farm fish can be farmed in various different places um, depending on climate, etc. Mm -hmm. So salmon is 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 always done up in yeah. Scotland or Norway, um, but things like sea bass and bream they're done out in in, in Greece or Turkey. Um, in Norway they do halibut and turbot. Um, farmed. Farmed. This yeah. is all farm okay. now. I'm talking all farm fish now. Um, so we can buy a turbot down in Cornwall that's wild. Um, but it could, A, it might not be there at all, we might not get one, um, B, the price, because everything's sold on auction down on the wild fish, that could escalate up to an outrageous price mm -hmm. that's non-economical for a chef to buy it, um, right. because they're kind of constantly working back, backwards on working on multiples of markup, so if they, if they can't sell a turbot for more than, a turbot dish for say for example more than £35, they pretty much can't buy that for more than seven or eight in order for it to work with their margins, you see. So wild fish, only something like a wild turbot when it's expensive would only work for a real top end place or somewhere where price wasn't an, an, an object at right. all, like, you know, Sultan or something, or um, a VIP kind of thing. Yeah, cause so, when, well, because when you think about sustainable fishing, you or where to get sustainable fish from, we tend to think, oh, automatically, wild caught but um, and there's an association of farmed fish as being not sustainable not at um, all but is that true not necessarily um, you can all you can always <coughs> excuse me you can always highlight um, and you can always find unsustainable methods of any type of fishing actually so so for example the, the kind of fish that we avoid down in Cornwall the wild fish that we avoid is being trawled um, it's where they've got a great big sort of bar that goes along the bottom of the ocean um, and it drags up um, and they it catch whatever down oh, there. Oh, and that and it catches everything. Catches so, everything okay. and it also damages the seabed. Right. So so that's not sustainable. So, you, you, And if you compared that to, say, a really well-run fish farm, um, right. you could definitely say the fish farm was going to be more sustainable than that. So, so you can't you can't just say wild is sustainable and farmed isn't. Yeah. It, it's, 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 not it's, it's not black and white. It's not black and white. So, so, um, so when, when you come to farm fishing, 
Um, it depends what methods they use. There, there's a there's a certification sort of body called Global GAP, which um, which is quite a strict audit. That um, so if if you want to call yourself responsibly farmed, so we, we we pride ourselves on you know responsible sourcing. So our wild fish is is sustainable or as sustainable as it could possibly be, and the farm fish that we buy is from um, it's been signed off as being responsibly farmed. So that will mean. Um, Usually, either no or either no antibiotics or, or, or extremely low level of antibiotics. It will be um, natural feeds. Um, it would be about density per square meter in a cage. So, right, for example, yeah. if this was a salmon cage, this this room, um, there there could be salmon uh, a less sustainable salmon farm, if you like, a less responsible salmon farm might have ten fish per square meter. Whereas if you're buying, you know, you could find another one that's got three per square meter, which just means that a it's better at animal welfare, um, but also the end product would be better too because the fish are more athletic. It's a bit like you wouldn't want battery. It's like battery chickens. There's an equivalent of that. Of so you can have a more of a free range farm. It, it, yeah, if interesting. You, you, so you could you could associate you you could compare it um, to that that some farming can be irresponsible or not sustainable but then if you choose carefully um, where you're buying from yeah. um, which we do um, then you know you're buying the best of what of, of what you can get um, so yeah I mean we, we deal with about we deal with about five or six farms directly including Bybury Trout Farm that's very good a, a, a place down in Hampshire Chalkstream um, where it's in fast flowing waters and they don't they only use natural feed uh, we deal with a salmon farm in Scotland. When Lockdewart. you say natural feed, by the way, that's like no dyes and no. Yes, no dyes. Um, now, the, the feed itself can be a controversial thing sometimes in fish farming because it's like if it contains fish, then they're worried about well, did that cannibalism? Was, was, well, no, 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 because fish eat fish. Salmon, salmon right. eats eat, eat fish. Not cannibal hunters, actually. Mm. Cannibal would be That's if they true. ate a salmon. I had, I had pet fish when I was younger, and it's true. Some of them ate each other. So yeah, some of them <laughs> eat, eat each other. But um, the, the the fact is that that sometimes they're using certain types of fish for um, for feed that that species might not be sustainable. So that's what you've got to be careful of. Um, ah, okay. I can't completely solve the whole sustainability argument because there's lots of opinions that are knocking about. But we we, we follow the um, the Marine Conservation Society guide, and, and they've got a kind of red list, and we make sure that we never sell anything that's on that red list um, mm -hmm. or above a number three in sustainability. Right. One is is the best. Four and five is bad. Um, Can you so name a few things that are on the red list, just so we know? Um, yeah, well, they've they've got um, so for example, skate. Um, so we sell something here which is actually ray, but the, a, a true skate is endangered okay. um, and, and shouldn't be traded or uh, brought, brought in yeah. well, or even sold on the fish market. Um, bluefin tuna as well, um, you've no got to have way, a specialised. Really? Okay. So yellowfin's fine and, and depending on where it's from. But again, it's all about sustainability, isn't it's sometimes not just about a species, it's about the area or the, the way that it's caught in that area. And, and so, for example, you could have a Dover sole on the red list if it's from the east side of England because A, they might be short over there or the way that they're catching them there isn't sustainable. So they'll put that on the red list, but then they'll say, um, if you're buying a Dover sole, for example, in the Celtic Sea Irish box, 
caught using these methods, which is fixed net or otter trawl, for example, then that's okay, and you're number two there. What's so, a fixed net? Um, a fixed net is where you um, where you set out a net, um, and then you kind of wait for the almost wait for the tide to go through. Oh, it, to it, like it's a fixed net. So, catching fish, you're either baiting a hook, or you're kind of pulling something, or you're setting out a net or you're encircling them, that's the only kind of ways that you can catch a fish, basically. Um, so so line caught is normally really good, but then the long line sometimes isn't because there's there's been a history of sort of, um, you know, dolphins and, and, and that kind of thing. So we avoid long line yeah. tuna, we buy hand line and pole caught tuna, um, which is the most sustainable. It's, it's one of a few accounts, actually, our, just our tuna, actually. Um, it's quite an important product mm -hmm. to, um, but then, you know, the latest uh, word is that tuna from the Indian Ocean potentially might be unsustainable, however it's caught, but that's just a kind of, it's under research, so there's, they're constant, there's people constantly right. researching. Um, we have to kind of try and follow the guidance and common sense. Um, right, and stay up by, to date. By the most, most responsibly as, as we can. So, well, yeah, that's it. So, because obviously you guys, New Wave, aren't the ones going out and no. fishing, but you buy from fishermen directly. Yes. So how do you ensure as, you know, um, as a sustainable business, a business with... That uh, we know what we're getting and... Yeah, yeah, like what what are the things that you look for? Who do you... Okay. Do you, so, do you work with? So first of all, it's knowing about freshness and quality of fish is, is key here. So uh, we, we know what we're looking at when it, certainly when it's right. We, we, when it arrives, if I'm just walking, if I'm working backwards now at the moment, yeah. um, seeing a top quality fish that's just that's been looked after properly, um, that's in prime condition. This is like from a farm, for example. No, 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 no. So, okay, so I'm, I'm just, with farm fish, we, we 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 have to do supplier accreditations and everything. We've gone through a process, and we we would have seen samples. We would have checked the quality before we engaged mm -hmm. with them, um, and. With farm fish, there's much less that can go wrong in terms of quality because they have a certain harvest date. They they actually starve them for a day or two before, which means that there's no food in there. So that gives them a longer shelf life. There's nothing breaking down in their in their in their gut. Um, so with the farm fish, you can you know you can buy something, order it from Norway, and it'll come on on Tuesday next week, and it'll be brand new, and it, it'll have a maybe a ten day life on it. Okay, it'll be completely rigid. Where it gets more complex complex is when you're buying wild fish um, down in Cornwall for example um, that's gone through the market and then we have to um, recognize which boats are, um, are are delivering the best fish basically and, and that's through experience through buying from lots of different boats we've got our favorite boats that we know um, that we you know we don't need to look at that fish before we can sell it to our top VIP customer because if, if it's gone through their rigorous yeah, control, I mean, we still have people look at yeah well, a lot of trust, it goes through the market as well, which is an official body too. So they've landed their fish on the market. It's given a classification, a grade for quality. Um, and then it's all catalogued in size and everything. Um, so we'll buy a turbot there, a box of monkfish, some red mullet, some John Dory, sea bass, whatever. And we'll just know that that's gonna be perfect, basically. Mm. If it's not, we do have comeback. Um, if we get there and suddenly it's a tiny bit soft or something, um, that's kind of not good enough. If it's soft, it's, it means it's been squashed or something, not handled. So we would kind of reject that, really, to be fair, right. um, on day one, if it came in like that. Um, 
so yeah, we go through and, and I've got just over the years I and mean, I've just got some very, very good people um, working for me who've been with me, you know, well over 10 years, uh, who know exactly what they're doing here um, and who's kind of got the company's back mm -hmm. massively. So. Yeah. And I see too on Instagram, which I think is actually really clever of you guys to do, you post um, pictures of the different independent fishermen that you guys work yes. with, right? And I saw that. Um, there's certifications and accreditations in terms of their sustainable sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're just part of the supply chain, and we're you know we have to um, yeah we, we we don't want it to be kind of smoke and mirrors that we're just suddenly pulling this hake out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. it's been caught by a very real person down in Cornwall, um, and he's landed that on the market, and mm. we bought it, and we brought it up here, and now we're serving it to you, whoever the you is, whether that's a um, a restaurant or whether it's someone eating here but yes there's an absolute connection we we've got our favorite hate boats for sure um, we've got our favorite lots of boats actually yeah. Um, so yeah it's um it's nice to show a connection as well mm -hmm. I mean it's it, fish does go on a, on a journey basically um, that's something that we've been talking a lot obviously like we um, we spoke to John at Doris Dairy and uh, Max at Sourdough yesterday as well and um, yeah, the relationship between who is your supplier or who you buy your food it's from really is important. really important. So that's why, you know, and, and we're part of that. It doesn't stop, with, I mean, obviously, um, a restaurant or the shop would be slightly different, but with us then delivering it to a chef, um, if he, you know, they do want provenance on their menu too, and to mm -hmm. say that this hake was caught in New Lynn, and if somebody really did want to know the boat, because they're putting their name on it. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it was it was delivered by us, but the less that we can get in the way of that process, you know, brand new fish land on the market, bring it back to us, quickly prepare it, and out to a mm -hmm. chef, and we, you know, it's that's that's how we that's how we like it as quick as possible. So for customers who let's say, um, so obviously if you're not a chef or you're not a business buying wholesale, but you know somebody at home is listening or watching this and yeah. they want to know how to uh, buy their fish more sustainable uh, sustainably sorry um, what are the kinds what are the tips or like questions you would suggest people to ask their either their local fishmonger or even you know the the fish guy at your waitrose or scenes okay so I, w I would stop you that I would definitely uh, seek out an independent fishmonger okay. I wouldn't consider the supermarket for one minute, not at all. Okay. Not for anything, really, uh, and, and I mean okay. that. And I, I'm not. Oh, strong statement. Yeah. Yes, no, but I, re I really wouldn't because um, you know there isn't a question that they can answer. Um, their supply chain is too slow. Right. Um, there's no expertise in the shop. There's no knowledge in the shop. Um, the product's substandard, I'm afraid, and it, and it really is. So they might have a few things on there. You might be able to get a bit of salmon or some a bag of mussels or something, but. I just don't, um, and, I, and I know that the stores aren't able to make their own choices um, on what they have based on their own area. So, for example, you would think that maybe the Siren Sester Waitrose in quite an affluent area would maybe have some slightly upscale, but no, they don't. And, and it's, um, I don't know, it, it, I just don't think it's an option at all. So I think you, if you're a serious um, fish lover, um, fish yep. eater, you should find a independent fishmonger or someone who's doing a good fish stall um, and you know you might have to go a bit of a distance um, to, to, to do that or um, if you were in within our delivery area um, you would look us up and we'd make a delivery to you mm -hmm. and we've got a shop in Sirencester but if you were further afield if you were in London you would definitely go to one of these top there's some very good fishmongers in London yeah. um, you would go to one of them whether it's Steve Hatt in Islington 
or whether it's the Notting Hill Fish Market. Uh, I mean, there's there's dozens of them. You can look them up. But you would always you you, you shouldn't consider the supermarkets at all, as far as I'm concerned. Not if you were feeling a bit lazy and you just wanted to grab something fine, but don't look at that as being a gourmet experience for seafood okay at all good tip okay. um you it's because it, you say for the fish lovers obviously when you in the uk or when you think of the uk we think fish and chips which you can get at your local it's, it's pretty backdated that i mean yes <laughs> there is still that stigma but we're pretty much in a way past it so for example um the industry I'm in has got zero connection with fish and chips. I mean, right. literally, it's a completely separate industry. Even though we're both in the fish industry, sure. the, the, the fish and chip supply industry is a completely different set of people, uh, rules, um, margins, mm. to just the whole thing. It, it couldn't be further apart. So they're buying lots of block cod. Um, there's a kind of model there. Um, say it but it's always cash isn't it in the fish and chip shops and um, <laughs> there's a little bit that disappears you know it, it, it's that kind of model. fish and chips is it, I think it's pretty that's a pretty outdated model for England now I think we're more sophisticated than that we've caught up with our European certainly when I was a kid uh, fish and chips was was pretty much about it but I think now um, since probably since the 90s or We've caught up with, with Europe. I mean, obviously, France is not far away. They're, they're well and above France and Spain, above us in terms of um, knowledge about seafood, how to cook it, what it is, um, anything about it. We're still well behind the rest of Europe, of those parts of Europe, unfortunately, but we're catching up. Um, and there is, you know, there, is, there definitely is. I mean, I wouldn't be in business otherwise if, if there wasn't a good market for seafood in the UK. Um, well, so for those who, let's say, are haven't really explored fish and seafood outside of that what would you actually suggest people that want to expand their palate but they need to you know start, I would, start I would suggest first of all probably go to uh, either go to a, a decent restaurant or um, have someone who knows how to cook so so people have a stigma about fish. Oh, I, I don't like this I don't like that but what you actually if you if you go back you find out that, that they had a really bad version of it right and um, they're really really bad version yeah overcooked Maybe it was really strong. Maybe it wasn't fresh. Maybe they didn't have it on time. It sat in the fridge. Yeah, because fish you know, isn't supposed it to wasn't, be fishy. Fresh shouldn't be fish fishy at all. They like shouldn't. You, you shouldn't have any smell from a fish. And if you do, you've probably someone has stored that badly, or you've held onto it for too long. Mm. So you need to. Um, yeah, but saying that, I, if you if you can cook as well, there's nothing to be scared of about pan frying a piece of hake or something. Mm. I mean, literally, you just sort of season it. Get a pan hot, skin side down, 30 seconds, knob of butter, um, <laughs> leave it, and then either turn it or just leave it there and just serve that up with some with some beans and some new potatoes um, and pour some lemon juice over I mean, it's that simple. And if you ate that, you can't say you don't like fish, I'm afraid. You just, I don't know, just wouldn't accept that. Okay. Um, it, it'd be good. As long as you don't overcook it. Don't, you know, don't dry it out. Yeah, because it's not um, And don't to be leave hard, it in your right? fridge for days on end and then think, oh, and then complain, oh, my fishmonger's giving me a lot. You, know, you should eat it on the day, really. You should buy fish on the day you eat yeah. it, ideally, or one day later. And this is something that I didn't, I didn't know because I never really thought about it, but, you know, we, 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 we think of seasonal foods like with fruits and, you know, when they're in season, but fish is also seasonal, right? Yes. I mean, th there's... Yes, it is. It is seasonal. Uh, some some species more than others. Um, again, there, there can be a bit of an argument rage. I mean, if you were to look up on the internet, what's the season for, for example, 
um, month fair. Yeah. Well, yeah, lobster's pretty clear actually. Lobster's pretty clear. It's summer. Um, okay. Lobsters and crabs. It's definitely summer. So right now, lobsters at its best in price and availability. And um, what that is down to really is that they go out much further to sea in the colder weather, um, and so we don't, we can't really catch them. Basically, they're out in deep sea. They spread out. So in in the summer months, they're much more in the UK and we, we buy Canadian lobsters in the winter actually you obviously Canadian but yeah. um, there's there's not enough lobster in the UK in the From winter. From where do you buy um, lobsters? Well we, um, Canada somewhere I, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> um, because I, we, we're handling a lot of different products so we're dealing with with an importer. Yeah. Um, I would think East Coast though. Oh yeah absolutely yeah. oh definitely yeah, yeah definitely East Coast Canada and sometimes um, uh, America as well Maine we could be getting some Maine lobster it's not far from yeah. there anyway no, is it that area because of the, of, of the, um, the amount of lobster they have there, and you can just order, say, 60, and they're all the same size, mm -hmm. and they'll come in like that. Whereas, again, in England, I know that those would be wild caught in Canada, but you've got a lot more of them. In England, if you buy a box of lobster, they're more likely to be lots of different sizes, and it's, it's not as um, standardised as a, as a Canadian lobster can be. But when we're in the summer, people do want Cornish lobsters, so that's what we're doing a lot of at mm -hmm. the moment. Crabs, lobster... That's in high season. Um, mussels generally should have an R in the month. Um, that's an old, it's an old saying that you should have an R in the month when um, it, for, for shellfish. So when you look at that, for that type of shellfish, so when you look at June and July, they don't. So mussels aren't at their best now. They're still okay, but they'll be much better in September. Okay. Um, and they'll be much better in April as well. So um, September, October, November, December, January, that's all high season of, of, of mussels and UK native oysters as well. Um, what about winter? What's more available in so the winter So winter, um, certain things, I mean, the, the fish is kind of available, uh, a lot of it's available year round, but you get more of it at certain times depending on what that fish does. If that fish comes in, um, so, so for example, for a flatfish, just just slightly jumping around here, um, yeah, no, they, have, the they, have, they, have a, they have a breeding season, so they're out of season in their breeding season because a, you don't want to catch, ideally catch them when they're breeding, but B, they've put a lot of their energy into their breeding, so they, they're very thin at that point, mm. and they're not a good option to eat. So um, a place or something in February, March is not a good thing to have. It'll be flat, they call them dish plates. I mean, they're that flat, there's kind of nothing on them. Whereas in the summer, they plump up. So they could, you get a 40% yield in February on a place where it's about 65 now, meat content. So it, it kind of um, plumps up. So, so there are some things, that are out and out rules um, on, on seasonality. Um, and then there's some that are a bit more vague. You know, when's a John Dory exactly in season? You can't quite pin it down, there's different opinions. Mm. Um, but yeah, Pollock in the winter, Pollock's a winter, Cod's very good in the winter. Um, mackerel quality is the best in the winter. It's not necessarily in high season, but the quality of the flesh is at the best in the winter because it's really cold. Um, it's quite a lot to learn. It's quite a lot to know. Yeah, it, no, it's interesting. So basically, buying buying season, seasonal fit or buying in based on seasons. I don't know how to say it. Uh, it that can definitely have an impact on. Um, how it's the most sustainable time of the year to yeah, fish, definitely. but also on price, because I think people have this association that fresh and good seafood and fish is much more expensive, which it is, but I guess there's times of the year where there things are. have been more affordable. Yes, there are. Um, there are. And, and, and again, something like, just for example, where you get more meat for the same size fish in the summer makes it slightly cheaper. Right, yeah. You know, you're getting more for your 
five quid or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, bang for your buck, like we Yes, say. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there's there, there's certain, you know, there's quite a lot of kind of strict rules. For example, you, you, you'd never take a lobster with eggs on it and things. Mm -hmm. That always has to go back in. Um, so, you know, and, and just generally, um, we avoid flatfish when they're breeding. Yeah. Um, and then there's, uh, I'm just trying to think what other, like sea, wild sea bass, we'd only buy line caught that because it's, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's more sustainable method and they're, they're catching less, that's the point as well. Mm. You, they're catching a lot less with line caught, whereas if you go out with a net, you could end up getting tonnage in a few hours and um, that's not really that ethical either, really to do that and just clear the kind of, the whole area. Um, that's really fascinating. So yeah, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know a lot about fish. I do. I, I mean, yeah. I, I yes, I, I do. Mean, Thirty-four. I, look, thirty-four years in the business. Obviously, you have to know what. You, you yes, have to I know mean, what you're but when about. I started off, I was really actually dealing with kind of just prawns and sort of smoked salmon and, and things like that. But over the years, I, I, I've kind of. Um, got really involved with it and um well, and, what's and we, your what's your background like did you uh, what what was the what got you into okay the, so the business? It, it, it's quite strange really so so when i was younger um when i was really young i was i was mad on fish and fishing and i was and my, and my dad's best friend said oh that boy will end up in fish one day oh, really? um, he actually said that to me oh. yeah and, and i wanted to be at one point when they asked what I, wanted, I said i wanted to be a fishing bailiff going around um, so that I could fish free on the rivers and things. What's a fishing bailiff? Well, a bailiff is just someone who goes around and checks your tickets, really. But I think I just like the idea of just going fishing. I used to be mad on fishing when I was a kid. Um, anyway, years later... Like, um, who got you into it? Was it like your dad? Oh, no, not my dad. Or? No, no, my friends. Um, so we, I lived in uh, Hampstead in London, and there were some uh, ponds there. Um, and uh, I ended up joining, joining a fishing club when I was about 11 um, oh, until, cool. until I was about 15, 16 and we used to travel all around in this coach and um, go like fishing boy scouts yeah yeah uh, <laughs> kind of yeah we'd go and meet at like 5 o'clock in the morning and um, go off drive off god knows where anywhere really um, so anyway I, that was that's the background is that I was always interested in fish and, and I did like fish um, and then just sort of slightly weird ha happened I, I went to live in the States but this is much to do with it but I went to live in the States when I, I, I dropped out of school I didn't do A-levels went to live in the States when I was 17 where um, in California well, I went with my dad my dad's American so we traveled around for a few months and then I lived in California found myself working for Apple for a bit actually um, they let me go I was only on a temp I was only temp um, are we allowed to say the word Apple We'll bleep it out if we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I did anyway I worked for Apple in the very early days so this is like 1983 now uh, 84 um, I was a kid actually, I was living at my aunt's. Um, anyway, I came back to England um, and then I found myself working in the estate agent's office um, as a kind of just office junior basically. So I did that for a, a year or two. Knowing um, you, that just does not sound like you. No, know. no, it wasn't me, I was a proper dog's body and <laughs> really? they humiliated me in there, made me, wound me up and all sorts of things. But no, it was, it was really good fun, I was in Hampstead. Um, and then I became a kind of sort of a state a junior state agent for, a, for a, a much smaller firm over in West Hampstead um, did that for a, so I was doing that for a couple of years and then my parents moved out here um, and I realized that I was here, kind of uh, uh, here the Cotswolds sorry they moved out the they, yeah. yeah so so we were living in London my parents moved out to the Cotswolds um, and I kind of realized I was I wasn't really enjoying being an estate agent or in the industry as well and I wasn't doing very well um, and uh, so I decided to come out here. I applied for a job in an estate agent, um, and they said to me, how well do you know the area? And I said, I don't really. And they said, well, go and get yourself a driving job. So I went for a driving job, and it happened to work for a 
seafood company. So I went with this job, and it was ah. a, a seafood firm. And then they said, "Hey, you could sell. Um, do you want to be a van salesman? Do you want to be? A, we, you could do well in this company. Fish, great. Yeah. Do you want to sell seafood?" Cool. So I was like, "Yeah, all right." I very nearly went into the wine business because I had a wine interview lined up, and I know that nothing about wine. Like you too. <laughs> I know, but no, I don't know anything about wine. Um, you so guys I, have really great wines here, though. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do actually, yeah. but I don't know much about them. Um, <laughs> not too much, anyway. I mean, I know what, what I like. But since um, you found your stride. So, so anyway, I, I came down. I, so they they employed me, and I worked for them for um, two and a half years. Um, became quite a senior uh, sort of salesman in a way, um, but I'm a bit. Um, I'm not very good to. I'm not probably wasn't ideal for as an employee. I was only um, I was only 22, uh, 23, and I had a bit of an infighting with someone in the office who wasn't keen on me. I got sacked basically. I, they they got rid of me, um, sacked me quite honest, unceremoniously. Okay. And um, so um, and just all some things all sort of fitted into place. My mum was going up to Scotland. I was a bit angry. I bumped into this chef who said, you know, your firm's crap. You should come and set up on your own and things and. So I just kind of decided overnight to set up on my own. Yeah. Um, like they say, uh, rejection sometimes is redirection. Yeah, so I was, I was yeah. really angry. And also I heard when this guy, my arch enemy in there, when he heard that I was considering setting up, he said that I would just last three weeks. And as I heard this, that he had just said that I would, I would only last three oh, weeks. Oh, that must have which motivated really, you. So, so it, it motivated <laughs> me. And I, and I, and I suddenly like moved really quickly and met people up in Scotland, met this Bristol wholesaler who didn't like my old company at all. Um, so he kind of supported me, um, this guy down in Bristol, and I started this round, approached my old customers, um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of you know a long time ago, but that was in 1989. Um, but that's how I got into fish. And still love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really do. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in it. Um, you know, I know quite a lot about it. I don't know everything, um, but. Um, I just like the whole uh, the, the randomness of it, the kind of um, the middle of the night thing, um, and, and especially What's the that, middle of the night. Well, we're, we're, there's there's I've got stuff going on all through the night. Mm. For for me, I mean, we're, I've got someone turning up at three in the morning um, and setting up and then doing the buying on the market. I've been to all these markets. I've I've, I've been over to Paris through the middle of the night market. I mean, I've done I've done all this stuff. It's it's really quite I find it quite exciting. It's fun, yeah. Wholesale markets, buzz of five in the morning, bringing back stacks of fish, selling it to chefs, you know, I get off on the, mm. on the sort of buzz of it, really. I like it. I wanted to ask your opinion about something. Um, so have you, have you heard or have you watched the, uh, the documentary uh, on Netflix, Seaspiracy? Yes, I've seen a bit of it. And, and, and again, I, I think definitely, I mean, I've, I've seen a little bit of it. And, and you know, as I said earlier, you can easily highlight um, unethical practices, but I don't think you can just kind of write off the whole industry as being unethical. Yeah. I just really don't think you can. Yeah, um, because they had that with cowspiracy yeah. as well, didn't they? Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I know there were some horror stories on there and, and, and some of the, um, for example, out in Asia, people being forced onto boats and that kind of thing. I mean, that's really... So even now, our prawns and, and, and things, we're having to um, make sure we go through. Um, and, and companies that are producing our prawns have to be, um, you know, have to be kind of completely ethical and have, and have fair trade and everything because mm. it's... Um, you know there's things going on in the world, definitely shortcuts being made. In, in every industry, though, this isn't... This would be fish, it would be meat, it would be with, with everything, pesticides, yeah. and hormones, you just... 
everything or bad practices or slave labor um but you know yeah, started with the coffee industry, years ago fair trade yeah. with the coffee didn't it and i mean, I mean in every industry there's a, a dark side i think yeah um and i suppose if you're in the industry you've just got to be um trying to choose the best or, the, or what seems like the most ethical sensible um best you know the best product does come from the most most ethical product too as well so if you're buying hand dyed scallops for example not only have you not disturbed the seabed you've also got the freshest scallop you can possibly have yeah. that gives you the best shelf life and so that it is a win-win buying the, the the best the the best things from the best people really. and you're also supporting you know keeping jobs for people in your country right yes yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, I. I think. Uh, I. I know that their the kind of takeaway message for the audience was basically, you know, no, there's you no such trust. thing as sustainable fishing. So you should just stop eating fish altogether. But, yeah, but I think that's a bit that's extreme. And no, it's very yeah. extreme. It's a very very extreme view. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if that if that happened, what would they be suggesting that you yeah. should have? I mean, because you you could, that would be an extreme view. Um, I but mean, if you, if you right go now. down to, for example, if you go down to, if you were to go down to Cornwall and go down to a little sea, Mevagissi or Loo or something like that, you know, you'll see little boats come in. You'll you'll see two guys on there. You'll see some beautiful fish there, and you could eat that in the restaurant there. And you, you can't say that's not sustainable, really. You really can't. Um, I suppose if it completely ran out, but but it's not at the moment and that that's where the you know the question marks are you know is that fish going to run out or not yeah there is no one really knows i, uh, I think the uh, you know um, there's a trend right now of like apocalyptic thinking and uh the opinions yeah it comes from very black and white place I think and i think a it's bit very too much. it's very toxic too i you know because at the end of the day it's it's more about considering how to make more conscious choices exactly in what you're doing so i mean yeah. even with me if you buy from a good local butcher that's that's that using sort of local meat hopefully within the area less food miles um some some provenance and knowing that hopefully they visited that farm and they know that it's you know, yeah that, that's what you're kind of trusting yeah. you, you you should be trusting your butcher or your fishmonger to have checked out right where they're purchasing from really and that can be way more ethical and sustainable than let's say being on an avocado diet of avocados you've had to uh, import from oh, yeah. California with the carbon footprint, with deforestation and all that. So I think there's so many different factors. Yeah, you know, it's consider. probably avocado growers who are making the film, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't know avocado spiracy. <laughs> yeah, avospiracy. Uh, yeah, avospiracy. We yeah. came up with the idea first, Netflix. Just saying. <laughs> um, but but yes, anyway, it's um, there's definitely a lot of you know. There's things you have to be aware of, but um, I think there could be a bit too much scaremongering sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah, which might not be the most productive message, or you know, no. mindset to. And I don't courage. think that actually the, the, for example, if the UK fishing industry was that concerned about that film, for example, they'd be kind of withdrawing. But they're not. There is investment. There's future investment. People are modernising their boats. They're expanding their. You know, we export abroad. It's a, a big thing. Is the export market as well from England um, it always has been actually with lobsters and, and fish that's bought on the market there's always a demand in in Spain and France for it um, so yeah it's uh, you know it's, it's actually in quite good shape the UK fishing mm. industry it's, it's, yeah it's, so it, well that I want to ask you actually from somebody who's really in it deep in the industry in the UK is there is there anything that you would like to see more of whether it's from you know, policy changes or maybe like a shifting consumer demands that would help 
Um, Move things in the right direction? No, I mean, I, I, I can't think of anything specific. I mean, um, we all, you know, there's always seems to be really high demand where um, the prices are, are extremely high, just mm. in general. Um, that's the thing that's kind of really um, affected us. I'd like to see the prices coming down a bit on, on, on for example, salmon, um, which is a big percentage of what we do when you add the smoked salmon to it as well. Uh, it's just gone through a real price hike and the Scottish and the Norwegians seem to be, well they are controlling the market and it seems to be they're working maybe, they always seem to be very high, no one's kind of, oh I'll drop that and come and get it off me, it's, this is what it is, if you don't want it we can sell it anyway to the United States or wherever so um, we have to even though we're a big buyer we've got kind of no real bargaining um, power That you, as much bargaining power as I'd like um, mm. at that when you're buying that kind of product, it's the people who are producing it are setting the price um, far more than the demand. It seems. Okay. Anyway, but no, I mean we get a good range, good range of fish from. We've got some great suppliers lined up. Um, we pretty much saw there, there's certain things that we we source on the sh if you like set up on the shelf if you like, and there's other things that we can get like razor clams or special orders mm -hmm. um, langoustines that we won't necessarily buy unless someone asks us and. But yeah, we can pretty much get everything, yeah. really. So would you say it almost makes it would make it does make your job easier as uh, you know on your mission towards more sustainable sourcing when your customers are educated on that and they know what to ask for. Yes, I, I, they don't so much ask us as we kind of tell them, if you like. Yeah. I mean, really, um, without sounding kind of patronising, but it's I, I would rather. Um, no, I think people are very so. Uh, receptive. I, I would rather be transparent, and you know, I'm selling you a chalk stream trout portion. I'll tell you it's sustainable, and I'll tell you why um, or where it's from, provenance, etc. Um, I think people kind of well, trust us a as a wholesale company, but but b at the fish shop and everything, they trust us to be giving them guidance. We, we do know better, I mean when I say we know better than them, what I mean we're, we're experts where they're not, so it's up to us to actually tell them that we've done the right thing yeah. um, and trust us to, to do that. That's, uh, I think that's the point really. That's really exciting. Um, there's so much about, I find it really fascinating and um, yeah, I mean I know it's been cool to be able to witness your part of your journey obviously with the new restaurant venture and you know being able to have a new way for people to access great seafood um, yes I mean that's the, that's the thing I'm just so involved with fish that I kind of feel that I'm on a bit of a mission to yeah. kind of um, share that with everybody in a way and um, so what are you most excited about that's coming up um what am I most excited about um what am I most excited? I know the about? restaurant is the the, the, the <laughs> restaurant's exciting. I, I the um, the fish shop in Sarancester. When I, once I link up that with a delivery service, that's going to be quite exciting. But I think my my real passion is with the wholesaling. So I've got a, a couple of opportunities um, coming up that might be quite big uh, on the wholesale. Um, I've still got London where I really need to um, exploit um, because I'm I'm on a I'm on a supplier list of a couple of, well, one particularly really big hotel group, well with three places, but mm. probably most prestigious in London, um, that I used to do a little bit with and I need to kind of get up there and present to them, um, and a really big department store that's just taken me on as a supplier, um, with doing the supply and the fish counter, potentially 20 restaurants, up to mm. maybe, I mean that's uh, that's what's, what's there. Um, so some opportunities there really, I mean I've got 
got a lot going on at the moment. Um, I know that's great. Like I want this to just sort of settle down. It's it, it, it's new, so I mean we're in our first year. So I'd like the to restaurant. just yeah the restaurant yeah. yeah we're in the first year in the restaurant so um because you guys opened uh, was it before October Christmas? yeah okay, yeah and it was in hindsight it was a really difficult time to open a well, the weather cold but the weather's always cold in England in October but it, we just kind of hit that hitting that doom and gloom economic pinch mm. in England everyone's yeah. talking about the mortgages and the power bills um, so I mean in hindsight it wasn't the best time but um, there never is probably the ideal time um, but it. it you know, because the, the the winter was quite tough. The autumn and winter in the UK, I think, generally, last autumn was was pretty tough yeah. for the economy. Uncertainty about the prime minister, um, mortgages scaring, and and again, the more you read the papers or watch the news, kind of the worse it is in a way. And um, people are thinking, oh, it's terrible. So we won't spend any money now. And um, but no, we're doing all right here actually. Really happy with our new chef. Um, we had one before. Uh, he went. He he decided to leave. He wasn't. He, wasn't really that suitable but this new guy's great Nico no it's great to have passionate people too you know because I mean your business is really an extension of you and your values yes exactly so I need to be able to work really closely with um, with people here and and, um, he buys into my philosophy and he uses a lot of uh, you know I'm happy he's using a lot of um, byproducts if you like um, Mm. and things that uh, are boiling up bones and and just using things that we um, that we should be doing, yeah. you know, um, as as a chef, he's making the most of all the, the whole product, really throwing nothing away. So for yeah. well, for people who obviously, if you want to come and try the new new wave brasserie, then come to Letchlade. Absolutely, Gloucestershire. Yeah, you come come down here um, Wednesday through to Saturday, lunch and dinner, <laughs> Sunday brunch, and there's a fish market here on a Friday morning. So um, it's yeah, it's it's a lovely little location. Letchlade's a beautiful town, right on the River Thames. For those who can't come to Lachlade, is there any, because obviously you supply other chefs with other restaurants, any particular pubs or restaurants you want well, to give a shout out It to? depends which area you're in. Um, I mean, if you, were, if you were down in sort of Bath, then I would probably be going to the Scallop Shell down there, um, or Noah's in Bristol, which is a place that they just recently reopened. I'm kind of thinking really fish restaurants. Um, up, in, uh, up in the Cotswolds, the Plough at Kingham, got a really nice seafood menu, yeah. uh, absolutely. Um, quite a few places. The Red Line at Castle Eaton's quite nice locally, but that that's local to here. Um, we, we 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 go all over actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, you probably if you eat in a restaurant within fifty sixty miles of here, you probably are eating my seafood okay. actually. Oh, um, cool. I would think so. I would think so. I would hope so. Um, that's a great so, flex. Yeah. <laughs> and we we supply fish counters as well. So if if you're buying your fish from a fishmonger in say Nailsworth or Reading or something, you might be that might be my fish too. So that's that's the idea is to try and, and I I'm not an egomaniac or anything, but I do kind of want to control the I, fresh fish in this area. I, I think from top I think to bottom. it's deserved. You know, I don't think it's ego. You just yeah. you know what you're talking about. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I think you've earned that. I hope so. Yeah. On uh, on that note, I can hear the kitchen starting up in the back. Is it? Yeah. I okay. think so. Yeah. No. Um. So obviously, yeah, we're gonna go for brunch and try the great food here and hopefully show a little bit behind the scenes of the kitchen to everybody watching um tim thank you so much okay you're welcome on our show thank you i hope i haven't uh, talked too fast or no i love it you're so entertaining and honestly (laughs) it was super informative and really educational um for anybody who wants to i guess you know find out more about new wave they can find you online right they can absolutely find you on Instagram. Just, just search new wave seafood new wave fish anything like that it's you should get a, quite a bit coming up awesome
Thanks, Tim. Okay, thank you. Let's go eat. Yeah, <laughs> cheers.